us, to encourage us, strengthen us, help us, guide us, and lead us. Just everything we need is in your presence, Father. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your word that you're going to speak to us today. And bless us with that word in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about this wonder-filled life. Not wonderful life, even though it is a wonderful life, but it's a wonder-filled life. For those of you who uh, know that this is a, a different life than anything you ever could have imagined that you would have before, I mean, it's a, a, a wonder-filled life. There's so many things to marvel at, so many things to appreciate in God, so many things to, uh, to take note of and, and uh, respond to. And so we're going to talk about this wonder-filled life. <clears throat> in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said this. He says, I am the door, and by me if any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. He says, though, that the thief comes... Not, but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The word used there for life is, is a different kind of word in the Hebrew. It's, it's a zoe, and it is a God kind of life. It's a God-imputed uh, life. Uh, it's beyond natural life. Now, there are times where you'll see this word kind of overlap in meaning. It can mean a natural life, say, like when you're first born, that life. Uh, it can refer to any earthly life. But in the New Testament, more and more, when the use of this word gets separated over into meaning, the God-imparted life it, can re, uh, it, it refers to specifically the life given by God through Jesus Christ to those who believe the gospel. So it's a totally separate life. In the New Testament, often it is preceded by the word eternal, which means it is a life of endless duration. So anything that this life brings you is of endless duration. In other words, if you've been healed once, you'll be healed again. Don't think God thinks twice about it. Amen? If he's bailed you out of your financial difficulty once, I know y'all know, know all feel bad that you're in this spot and you're all, all embarrassed in everything that you hear. But Daddy knew you were going to get here. He already got the cash set aside for you. I'm telling you, we probably got more prodigal people sitting up under the word than we got running off. Huh? Y'all know it's the truth. Well, I'm just going to slip this over in here. Maybe, maybe I can beat it to the bank before it bounces. All that kind of nonsense. He knows what you're going to do. He knows all your little shenanigans. And he's made provision for the shenanigans. Now, religious people don't like you to say stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but, but if you read your Bible, is God ever out of money? Does he ever invalidate his promises and void his promises because we cut up? I don't know how we got the impression. You know, when you came to Christ and first got saved, it was you acknowledged your sin and your need for a savior. And you fell on in there. 
Then after we get under the word or, you know, get some new church clothes on or, you know, start wearing a long dress instead of the little tight things we got saved in. Then we all cool. God is only blessing me because I do everything right. Huh? Mistake number one. God does not only bless the cool, he blesses the mess-ups in the family. Huh? When the, the prodigal son really finally did come home, the father reinstated him. Back into every, that ring on his finger meant you in there like swimwear. Huh? Even better. Huh? Bam. Uh, because that ring meant that all the inheritance is yours again. That ring means I'm in covenant with you in the full like I was before you messed up. Hmm? God doesn't deduct from us. He pays our sins. You see what I'm saying? If the wages are paid for your mistakes and they're paid by God, then he must have a way of reinstating you into the promises without diminishing them. Or you'd be paying for your sins yourself. Which is a whole other story. You know, many times people who uh, slip in their faith and, and don't use their faith and not, not enthusiastic and eager about using their faith in God, they're in some ways they're feeling guilty up here and penalizing themselves for mistakes. Instead of going to the cross and don't leave until you know that you know that you know that you know that you're cleansed. A lot of us drop down on one knee, you know, like they used to do in the Catholic church. <laughs> drop down, jump up real quick. Like that really did something for you. And many times in Christianity, that's the way we think about the atonement. We just take it for granted. Go, go in, run out, go in, run out, go in, run out, go in. And you come out just as goofed up and crazy as you were when you went in there. Go in there and get changed. Huh? Go in there and get something. Go in there and get assurance that you're forgiven. You know when you're clean. I do. I don't stink no more. Can I say that in church? When you jump in the shower, you jump in the shower for a reason. Because if you don't jump in there, you're going to run yourself away from yourself. Huh? You drive yourself crazy. But when you come out, you know that you're clean. You got me? You have ways of telling. It's the same thing with spiritual matters. We know what, where we stand with God. If you're not sure where you stand, you go and get into his presence and get in the word till you know where you stand. We need to come out in a confidence in God. We need to come out with an understanding that all is forgiven and we are reinstated into our inheritance. I mean, this is very important for believers. This is why we don't get as far as, as we do. And then when we see people who are prospering, we mad at them. They just in it for the money. What you in it for? If you could get the money, you'd be in it for the money. I know I would. Hello. The money and everything else. You got me? But it's very important to understand that this is a wonder-filled life. It's, there are lots of wonders here. Who can understand 
a God that has such high standards, such perfection in him, but yet he would condescend to men of low estate and forgive our sins and elevate us up to where he is and reinstate us again rather than debiting us all the time when we do wrong things. Huh? You can't, you can't pay the wages of sin. You'll never be able to pay them. That's like a paycheck that you earned that gets canceled before you ever get to cash it. You got me? It was canceled. This is where we meet the Lord. This wonder-filled life begins at the foot of the cross. Maybe we need to start there. John 3.16, if you'll go there. You know, if you can burn this on the inside of your brain, your heart, and every place else, you'll, you'll be more than a winner in life. He says here, in verse 14, as Moses up, lifted up the, servant in the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There is that endless zoe again, that un, uh, unexhaustible source of life that renews and restores everything that's damaged in the fall. I mean, renews and restores everything. There's no such thing as, as I couldn't get it from God. I prayed for it and God couldn't deliver. No such thing as that. Because this is an endless life. It has no ending. It has no beginning. You just jump into the middle of it and enjoy it. That's what it's all about. And he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So in other words, nothing that concerns you will ever be cut off, diminished. Jesus came so that you wouldn't be diminished in any way. You wouldn't be cut off from anything that's good. That you always had a seat at the Father's table. You can always partake of the fruit of eternal life. Whatever that provision is. Whatever it is that you need. Why do we stop and even wonder if God's interested? Or wonder if we can ask him? Or wonder if he will do things for us? Because if we will walk with him in this life, we have total confidence that he's with us. Because he didn't come in the world to condemn us. We do that. See? We do it. We, we spend too much time wondering. Instead of not enough time affirming what he said. See meditating on a word will take you out of that wondering zone once and for all. Huh? I wonder why. Listen if you did something wrong the Holy Spirit is the first one to let you know. He tells me. Huh? Your, your best thing to do is don't override that and don't ignore it. But listen to it and take it to heart. And get that straightened out with God before you take another step and you learn how to live condemnation free. But if you keep running away from that voice and you keep shining and want to, want to bargain with God. Well, see the, reason, see, the reason I reached up and I slapped everybody in the house was because they pushed me. Huh? You pushed yourself a long time before anybody else pushed you. Huh? We're not provoked so much from the outside. We're provoked from the inside. Mm -hmm. And see, a bad conscience will keep you wondering if God's going to do it for you. Have I gone too far? Well, I did this wrong and I did that wrong. And adding up all your no-nos, 
which really should be forgiven because the minute you sin, you should go to God and ask forgiveness. See, the reason we get into these troubles is because we don't walk closely enough with God to have confidence of our standing with him. And that's why when you come into a need, you got to search your brain and find out where, where did I, what door did I open? All of them. Every day, you open every door and every window too. Can't go by Starbucks without praying in tongues to see if you ought to drive in there. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's a constant, uh, <laughs> a constant <laughs> challenge to us to do the right thing. But God gives us the leading of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't matter what door you open. When you acknowledge you're wrong, God wipes it all away. He takes a big blood eraser and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. So when you stay righteous before God, there's a confidence there. It's not a cockiness. It's a confidence that there's nothing standing between you and God. You know, sometimes we, we reserve a little trouble for ourselves instead of asking God to help us to live free and above all of that. You know, we have a little pet thing we like to do and, and don't want to repent. We know it's wrong, but we can always make an excuse for it. We need to quit living like that as believers. We need to live free and confident that our sins are forgiven. The Bible says, he who is forgiven much loves much. If you got much to forgive, you're a good candidate for loving God much. So if you're a bad egg in the household, you got a good candidate for loving him much. Just get on your face and ask for forgiveness every time you screw up. Religion makes us want to hide things from God. We start out hiding them from ourselves and hiding them from other people. And then we start hiding them from God. And this, this life, if we're going to live the life of wonder that God ordained for us, these are first principles. You've got to get that straightened out between you and God. You've got you to learn, live with him as your friend and your helper, and he knows you're weak, and he knows you're subject to make mistakes, and he's still your friend and your helper. Yes. He's not like people. People get worn out by one another, yes. you know. That's one of the reasons we have so much divorce, yes. is people wear each other out. Yes. Huh? You know, I, I wouldn't, uh, my late husband, God rest his soul, he's up with the Lord. But I could tell when I was on his third to last nerve. I never got to the last one. And all the married people say, I know what you're talking about, girl. Uh, you don't survive the second to the last nerve a lot of times. <laughs> you get on it. <laughs> but I could always tell, and I would just back up and be a good girl, huh? Because there was a limit to what his soul could take from me constantly, huh? So I learned how to get along. I learned how to walk in love. I learned how to love. I learned how to share. I learned how to communicate. I learned how to submit. I learned how to serve. Amen. You got me? Yes. So that you don't wear people out. God don't give you a husband or wife for you to push them to their limit. Not that I wasn't guilty from time to time, but I repented and I learned, <laughs> learned some manners. You got me? 
You learn these things. I didn't set out to be a bad wife. I set out to be a good wife like most of y'all do. We all set out to be good at what we do. But we have problems with it. Huh? We have problems sometimes. But praise God, he forgives us. He wipes it all away. He has no recollection of any wrong if we've confessed it. So we're the ones with the bad conscience just thinking about it all the time. Don't know how to get over it and don't know how to... You, you get over it by getting under him some more. Get more under the word. Get more in the things of God. You get over these things by getting under the authority of God's word. So the first wonder that happened to us was that we were born again. In other words, we transformed in one confession of Christ. We transformed from a person on their way to hell with a certain sentence, a certain death sentence over, to, over them, to a person now he's, who has been totally set free and exonerated from all crimes, all fault, all penalty, all everything that was against us is wiped away, totally. That in itself is a miracle. You can get, there are people who have gone to prison for things that they've done, but they can't totally get away from their past. They have a record. And you ask them when they come out from jail and, and they check their record, you go to get a job, they'll tell you it's hard to find decent employment. Even if you have good, good skills or, or good education, it's hard to find it. Why? Because the character factor, factor is in question. And it's the first thing the born-again experience takes care of, the character factor. It takes care of your bad character. It takes care of your selfish ways. It takes care of your meanness. It takes care of your whatever was bugging you. So God gets to the root of the problem. He takes care of your character first. And then he adds things to you. Whereas in the world you can't even get, you can never get your character cleared up with people. There's people that, you know, you look at these high-profile trials that we've had. O.J. Simpson, most people still think he's guilty. Now we got a, a, a gentleman who's been exonerated from something. Now people think he's guilty. And the same people that crucified O.J. want to let him go free. You got me? So, it, you know, as long as you're dealing with people, you will never get to where true life is. But when you deal with God, he takes care of all that. He gives you a good reputation. All things are passed away. All things have become new. In 2 Corinthians, amen. In 2 Corinthians 5, this should be a favorite scripture, burn in your brain type scripture. Park here and don't leave until you get the whole thing. I think it's Second Corinthians, right? That's what I said. Second Corinthians five. In verse seventeen it says, Therefore. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. They're gone. They don't exist anymore. They're dead. They have no power over you. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. All things that we're talking about here that are new 
are the God things that he has given you. And he says, for God has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And then he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So the word here, reconcile, means to balance a debt. I know it's, a, it's kind of an odd uh, uh, habit these days, but I do reconcile still my checkbook. <laughs> every statement, I get the balances, and I make sure that every penny is accounted for. And that's what God's talking about here. He makes sure that every sin that we've committed is accounted for, nullified, and paid for. So you have a zero, you begin this new creation life with a zero balance against you in God. There's nothing against you anymore. So if you're a new creature in Christ, all things are passed away. All things have become new. All things being passed away means that they have no power over the new creation man. I wish we could get people to really understand that. They have no power whatsoever over the new creation man. It's, it's a deception of the devil to make you think you can't stop doing certain things. It's a trick of the enemy to make you feel that you're powerless and helpless when Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost live inside of you. Come on now. But if you start to dwell, if you dwell on that and you make that the focus of your imagination then you will fall into that trick and that deception. It will seem so real to you. And then after the devil gets your foot in the noose and yanks you in there, he says, aha, gotcha. And you'll see it's not real after all. There's no substance to it. Nothing. There's nothing there. Many times we get fooled by symptoms. And, you know, uh, uh, you know we, we want to live free and live in the word and all that kind of stuff and symptoms will start to attack us but that doesn't mean that you've got any kind of disease you know why the bible says none of the diseases that he put on the egyptians are for us see it's another deception of the enemy you mean to tell yes i mean to tell you that it's so sick of unbelieving people want to argue with, you mean to tell me I done been to the doctor and I done had all this surgery and I, yeah, I'm here to tell you exactly that. You didn't have to do it and you don't have to do it again. And what the devil wants to do is make you, make you believe you have to have these things done to you in order to live. You look up, the, you know, I tell people, I said, listen, the devil wants to kill you like yesterday. If you can survive a biopsy and a test and it's, it's gone on for six months, do you really think the devil who wants to kill you right away would let you even go for six months living? He'd put the biggie on you the first opportunity he can. Huh? Well, we have this rare Rare, and they even give it a name. It's an oriental tumor. I said, that ain't from no orient. I know an orient. Ain't got no soy sauce on it. No. <laughs> I know Asian food when I smell it. It don't even smell like no oriental tumor. 
I mean, whatever. You understand what I'm saying? You treat it just like that. You're either going to believe God's word or you're going to believe the words of man and symptoms that come and go. There was a uh, pastor in the building we moved from. We were in this building for a lot of years on Topher. And so over the years, he's nice gentleman. He's uh, Church of God in Christ. And uh, even the seat he sat in on Sunday matched his suit. You know, I mean, real Kojic, you know, those of you who understand when a, assemblies of God's the same way, you know, they just match from top to bottom. Where do you get a chair to match your suit, brother? Oh, you know the Lord, you know, whatever. But, but he, he would kind of come and go ministering. And there was a nice lady that was one of the elders in her in their church, and she would always, oh, pray for pastor. He's, well, he didn't preach this Sunday. And when I would run into him, I'd say, well, man of God, how you been doing? You know, we've been praying for you. Ooh, thanks for praying for me, sister. You know, they can't find nothing wrong with me. I went and had all them tests and stuff, and they can't find. I said, well, God, doesn't. there's nothing wrong with you. I said, but God's just confirmed. Well, I hope so. Well, keep praying for me. You know, he went on like that at least 12 years, and as far as I know, still living. He's got doubt, all that stuff, but as long as he's willing to submit himself to someone who has faith to pray, you got me? See, there's power in our our faith as corporate faith as believers, folks. Don't ever doubt that the prayers you pray aren't doing anything. Don't ever think that. Ever think that. And I would think to myself, I would say, well, Lord, if he could just get in the word and, and, you know, I would just get nothing from God. It's like, mind your own business. Huh? What I tell him to do that's between me and him. You just do what I put on your heart to do for this man of God. And, you know, and after a while, I, I kind of started to pick up a little wisdom of God from that. You know, and you look, I've seen people who, whose pastors die. And I see what a heartbreak it is to the congregation. And you stand there and wish there was something you can do. Well, this is your something you can do. So quit crabbing about it, Miss Know-it-all in the faith person. And just serve and do what I've called you to do. But that's one of the wonders of this life that we live. That we can help one another. And, and he's a good pastor. This man, he, these people have confidence in him. They have, they can gain strength from him. He's knowledgeable in the word. He's helped so many younger ministers. You know, he was, um, he had gone through a time and um, there was, you know, people were kind of leaving the church. And I said, Pastor, I said, something going on here? And he said, oh yeah, you know my associate. He, he went and started his own church. He said, you know how it is. They follow him. Some of them follow him, you know, they, but they, you know, I keep my flock, you know, they, he don't, he didn't worry about anything. And I think I've seen pastors that happen to them. They want to quit the ministry and tell everybody off and get all evil and hateful and stuff. And he said, oh, that's just how they do, sis. You know, they, they grow up in the church and they get their little flock and they go out and try it. You know, he said, if they don't work for them, the people know they can come back. And, you know, it's, just, it's all love as far as he was concerned. So I learned a lot from him, you know, our little conversation. So I wanted to keep him alive for me, too. So praise God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> praise God. So we have a wonder-filled life, more wonders to come as we walk with God. One of the wonders is that Christ actually dwells in you. He lives in you. 
It's your choice to abide with him. He has a life ordained for you and nobody else but you. Nobody can live the life, the Christ life that's ordained for you but you. John 1-2 tells us there is light in this life. L-I-G-H-T. This light, this life is the light of men. So this is a life that causes you to stand out. It causes you to be different. It causes you to shine. It causes you to be set apart from darkness. This light is, is the, this life is the light of men. Second Timothy, I'm going to read that to you. Second Timothy verse 1. This life only comes through the gospel. Verse 9 says, Who have saved us and has called us with a holy calling. That means it's a separate, set-apart calling. It's not um, average. It's not usual. It's not natural. It's a holy calling that only God can help you fulfill. You know, if we, if we walk away from that, if we don't consider that important, if we don't consider that number one, you always walk in a dimension that's beneath where God wants you to live. You just walk as a natural person through this life. If you don't realize that this is a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus even before the world began. So this is a life that only comes to us through the gospel. And it's a life that was, came before you even appeared on the scene. So God saw you coming into the world. And before you got here, he called you by a certain name according to your gifts, according to your abilities, according to your, your talents. He also called you to a purpose in him that only he can help you fulfill. See, this is the key. It's the God hookup and stay hooked up to God is the only way that this will work for you. This white life that's full of wonder will only work for you. And the wonder is the God part of it. See, the God part of it is the unpredictable part. It's the part that, that can never, you can never predict where you might be, where you might go, where you might wind up, what type of people you might work with, what type of people you might bless. It's a life that's full of, to me, surprises, good surprises, amazement and wonder. It's an exciting life. It's much more exciting than the boring thing that you could plan based on your own resources and your own knowledge. You run out of ideas. That's why we got so many people addicted to drugs. They are out of ideas. At 13 and 12, they're out of ideas of what to do with their lives. And so they turn to recreation or they turn to people that, that they, can, they can live at a low level and be loved. Huh? You know, the average person that gets involved in the drug culture, everybody accepts them. They don't have to conform. They don't have to get up early. 
go to school, brush their teeth, do anything. Just show up with, with some money or without so we can get us some more drugs and let's party. So there's a low level of expectation. There's a low level of living. And so many times people live on such a low level that they'll accept an even lower level of existence and then they get locked into it because they're hooked for the rest of their lives. And it's a real struggle sometimes for them to get. Getting free in the natural is hard, folks. Thank God there's, there's the power of God to set you free. You don't have to work towards your freedom. It will set you free. Breaks chains off of you. And you go free and you go, but you go free with the help of God who helps you every step of the way. See, this is not a life where we, you know, you get your freedom and you go back to what you were doing. Why? To get bound up again? You've got to make up your mind to walk on with God into this new life as an adventure and something to look forward to. It's not just the same old dull, same old, same old. This is a life that God planned for you. Not considering your, your looks, your brains, your faults, your, your uh, do-goods. He didn't consider any of that because it was planned for you before you even showed up. All he wants you to do now is trust him and step into it and begin to walk out the new thing. It's a life full of, of uh, expectation for good, for more. For increase, for abundance, for increase in every way, for increase in the fruit of the Spirit. He doesn't expect us to stay at the same level that we've been at all this time. He expects us to come up with Him. Come up a little higher. Let's move. Let's go up to the high places. Huh? That's what He wants for us. It's a high life. It's a life that's full of great things, greater things, because the greater one lives in us. He is, he is more than enough help for us in any aspect of life. In Romans 14, 17, tells us one of the aspects of this wonder-filled life. In Romans 14, I think it's 17. Number one, this wonder-filled life is lived in a kingdom. It's not lived in a democracy. It's not a dictatorship. You know, with the guy with the mirror glasses on and making everybody work hard and taking their money for nothing. But this is a kingdom. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not a carnal, physical, seeable realm. But it's character driven. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So as you live the righteous life, this life is ordained for you by God. And it's carried out through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you have as much help as you will ever need to live this life. He wants to help us. God is not here to evaluate us on how much we don't do wrong. He's here to help us to do right. Righteousness, when God imputes righteousness to us, he puts a new strength into us, and it's the empowerment to do the right thing at all times. 
So it's not up to you to do anything right. It's up to you to yield to righteousness, which opens a pathway for you to walk in and do the right thing at all times. It's never not working in us. It's working in us all the time. And so when we understand, how can you take credit for something that's not yours? This was given to you by God to enable you to live the God kind of life, the Zoe life, the right righteous life, so you'll do the right thing at all times. When you're driven by righteousness, you could care less what you drive, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Seriously. I mean, it's all good that God provides it, but that's not what your life is about anymore. Didn't Jesus say that? He said, take no thought for these things. He said, in your life, about more than food and clothing? Come on now. I got so many clothes in my closet. You know, and they bulge out. Get me out of here. I'm tired of hanging. I could use a break. I get, you know what I do? I, now, to be honest with you, I don't like shop, shop. You know that, I love that commercial. There's a, there's, y'all seen the commercial, uh, the paint commercial of the girl that's trying to buy the paint, the purple paint. And she says, I don't want purple. I want purple. And she says, know what I mean? And he said, yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking, come on now. He says, I don't want, I don't shop, I shop. Uh, you know, but anyway, I'll shop anywhere. TV, internet, you know. I don't like going out looking for things because it's, you used to spend a lot of time. You know, my window shopping days are done. If I want something, I want it, send it over here. I got, I got to want these, these shoes, the flat ballet shoes. Most of y'all know that because the ones that don't fit me, y'all wearing them. And I, <laughs> I was looking at the boxes. You know, I'd let about 12 pairs of shoes run in my house. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I don't shop. I shop. It's weird. A weird shop. But see, this works to my good because this is a way I can bless people. I don't have to take extra time to go do something. And, it, and I started learning to live like this because there were many things I would purchase and I thought they'd look wonderful on me. And I'd come to church and I'd look at somebody and say, you know that skirt I just bought would look really good on so-and-so and I'd give it to them. And I found that this was God's way of helping me to sow into the lives of other people and bless other people the way he wants me to bless them. See, it's bad to be a preacher, be anybody in any kind of authority in God's kingdom and be a taker. Or get to be the, have the reputation of a taker. That's why you'll see a lot of them when they start to pull in millions, and I mean millions in their personal pockets, they all of a sudden get a yen to want to go to, to India and want to spread some money around. They should have been doing it all along, but see, God finally got their attention to do the right thing, but he expects us to be givers, period, all along the way. That's what makes this life filled with wonder. God can speak to you, and you think you're just trying to get the right size for yourself or the right fit for yourself and he's put in that a way for you to bless other people and so I just go to God now I say well God I'll get these and I know they'll look good on so you know I finally got the hint you know I, I know they'll look good on so and so and I you know that kind of thing but that's the way God gets us involved in this life that's filled with wonder I wouldn't have done that in the world for nothing in the world it was all about me 
If it didn't look good on me, I got mad at somebody that sold it to me and want to take it back and tell them off and fix it up because it ain't looking right. And they want to say fix yourself up because you ain't looking right either. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you went really nowhere with that conversation. But, but see, in this, this life that we have in God now, God allows us to be ourselves, but then he, he helps us step it up a bit. Step it up into his kingdom, where his kingdom gets in there and takes over. And you begin to see how his kingdom manifests and how it, it is, it's a, a place where people can have expectation of nothing but good. Because the people around them only have good in mind for them. Now, we might have our differences and fall out about things, but I know if anything, if I really needed prayer for something, or I really needed something, I know I can depend on God to raise up the right people to help me with that. I have no, no fear whatsoever. I feel bad for people who have church experiences that are totally negative. I think there's something wrong with the way they see things. Because I don't believe for one minute God puts you in a place where all your experiences are bad. You understand what I'm saying? There's something bad in you that's making... You know, the Bible says to him who's pure, everything's pure. You know how some people, you think, do they understand that how bad this is? You understand what I'm saying? Because they don't see, because they've chosen not to see it, they want to see the God part of it. I don't want to talk about your problem all day long because God's got 66 books of solutions for us. I'd rather move on to the, to the end of it, you know. I mean, you know, I feel for you and all that. Some people are more skilled at that kind of stuff than others, you know. You go to them, but come to me, we're going to get an answer. We're going to get it quick because I hate the devil. I hate him and all of his works. And I hate it when saints feel weak, impotent, and hopeless. I hate that. Because there's too much in our wonder-filled life for us to enjoy, for us to sit around and lament something that probably wasn't for us to begin with. Selah. So this is a life of wonder. Where were we at? Romans... 14, 17. So this, this kingdom. See, that's the good thing about this. We live in a kingdom, but the king lives in you. Huh? And I'm not talking about some Elvis manifestation, you know. <laughs> they got so many of them out there in, the, in Las Vegas. <laughs> you know, what that... that uh, image they have of him in the white jumpsuit you know that started out as a joke because I remember when when uh, Elvis kind of stopped performing and then all of a sudden they say he's going to make a comeback and everybody thought it was very funny because he hadn't performed in so many years he hadn't made any records or, and they they had almost forgotten him then he comes back in his white jumpsuit and makes himself immortal now they can't let him rest in peace he, they have an Elvis sightings everywhere yeah, but he came back, but he came back in a way I thought was kind of unique. You know, if anybody ever went to any of his concerts, he had a segment where they had praise and worship. Oh, yeah. 
And the background singers, all of them backslidden Christians, they sung in the choir and they'd have rehearsal and everybody cry and hoop it up and carry on. And he'd, he'd sing and said, I want you to have uh, five minutes of silence. We're going to have this and this. You know, people got very respectful. And after that, he went back to his thing that he did. You got me? Sometimes God just... God never leaves us or forsakes us. You understand? With it, that's a wonder in itself. That people, if you tried to do that in some of the concerts they have now, they're so depraved. But he could command that respect from the people that came to see him just because he respected God and it was sincere on his part. And so, <clears throat> didn't mean to get off on the king, but you have the king of the kingdom of God dwelling on the inside of you. Your, your job is to just don't let go of him. Just abide in him. Don't let go of him. Don't ever distrust him. Don't fall out with him. Don't make it seem like he's not your friend anymore. It's easy sometimes to harbor resentment on the inside of us. You know, disappointments, things that we've been expecting that haven't materialized yet. Huh? There's some things that won't materialize. You got me? But you still not, are not going to fall out with God about those things, and I know you won't. Because it, but, you know, we can live in a distance from him where we don't enjoy the fruits of the relationship. Hmm? It's like being married in name only. You know, you, just to remove your reproach, you can say you're Mrs. Somebody or show somebody a little tarnished ring or something like that. But you want the reality. You think that's funny, don't you? Huh? Don't you read? That's <laughs> okay. But you know what I'm saying. It's, it's the same thing. If Christ lives in you and you don't cooperate with him, you don't abide in him, you don't enjoy his company, you don't enjoy his letters to you, his love letters to you, his word, if you don't enjoy these things, it's like having been saved in name only. This, the, the essence of the relationship is lost. So... Uh, in Titus 1, 2, and 3, the, the Zoe life of God was promised to us before life began. The promise of the Zoe life of God was promised to us before life even began. We said that once. It's good to know that your messed up life didn't mess up God's plan for you. He planned this life for you knowing what you would do. He has foreknowledge of everything. So he never planned a low-level life for anybody because they choose to live at that level. He chose a, a more abundant life for all of us. And he will enable us to live at the more abundant level. This isn't something you do in your own power. So you can't take credit for it, nor can you feel bad about it if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen, you find out what to do. What is your next step? That's all you need to know. God, this didn't work out the way I thought it would. Tell me what my next step is. Because there's always a next step in God. There's always something you can do to restore and, and get back what it is that the enemy has stolen from you. But I helped the devil steal it. Well, yeah, that's probably going to be true of a lot of things you're going to help the devil with. He got to use your mind, your mouth, your hands, a lot of your members to accomplish defeating you. But it's only temporary. Because your victory will come as soon as you step into Christ again. Because he is the victorious one. 
So Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 tells us we're alive together with Christ. You got somebody to help you live this life. And trust me, we all need it. This is a new life. It's new things. I can remember being a new Christian. I would just sit and wonder, God, what should I do? I mean, I can't, I can't go back to doing what I used to do. I, I can't go back to, you know, smoking. And, you know, I was still smoking a little bit and doing everything a little bit. But all them little bits left, you know, little bit, little Pete and little, little stuff, all them left. Them little ones left, too. But, but we come alive together with Christ. He helps us to live this life. Leads us and guides us. If we'll follow. If we'll follow. The enemy is always there to distract us. Tell us something else is more wonderful than what God has for us. You can waste a lot of time distracted by the enemy. But you've got to believe that God will make up for that. He'll restore the years that the canker worm, the caterpillar, you got me? That they've eaten up from you. You know, it's people that, you know, thought this was the one. And they spent all their years with that person. Found out it wasn't the one. Thank God you found out. See, before you made the big mistake. But you found out now you're mad because you spent all that time invested. Listen, you were just learning. And probably doing a lot of sin while you was learning, but we won't even go there. Huh? But that time was not wasted because as soon as you step into Christ, old things are passed away. Everything's new. You get a new lease on life. You get new time. You get more time. God can fill up that time like, like, like with such great things that overtake and overwhelm whatever negative was that you think you wasted so much time doing. He will make up for that time. Well, we got a lot of people that's been wasting time, but you need to stop. You, you understand what I'm saying? And don't look at the time. It, when, when we have the time now in God, we spend a lot of time reflecting on bad things, bad past, bad this, what hasn't happened. Why not spend this time rejoicing in the fact that God has got you saved, that you're moving on, your next step is going to be much better than your past steps and your missteps. Thank God you learned. There's people out there pretending to be knowledgeable that don't know anything. And y'all buying their books and listening to their tapes. Huh? It's the truth. I grow up. Where's, <laughs> where's my water? Got to have my water now. You understand what I'm saying? You want to live in the real. You want to understand what this, this life of wonder is all about. It's a wonder we hear. Some of us, a wonder we saved, a wonder the devil ain't killed us a long time ago. That in itself is a wonder. Some of our kids, it's a wonder they made it because they have pushed us to the limit, you know, to the brink. <laughs> I'm throwing them all out. Well, where are they going to go? If your neighbors see them, they're going to bring them right to your house because they look just like y'all. Where are you going to throw them out at? They come here, I'm bringing them back to your house. They ain't going home with me. So, but we're alive together with Christ. Amen. Romans 6, 23 tells us that this life is in his son. Not in us, but in his son. 
Got it? The Son dwells in you. So you have the whole package in you. You don't have certain things of God in you. You have God in you. And it's a package deal. Whatever Jesus decides is good for y'all to do today, that's what you do. And you don't do anything other than that. Our life is hidden, is a hidden life. And it's hidden with Christ in God. And it's governed by a kingdom which is everlasting. You know what that means? We don't have to worry about uh, anybody overthrowing the government that rules over us. You don't have to worry about God going out of business. He's an everlasting kingdom. His, all, his open sign will always be out. Amen. His I am here sign will always, and open for business will always be, be there for you. You don't have to worry about something stronger than his word coming. You know, people do things like, well, you know, well, I know the word, I, I, I know the word says, but. What you calling me for? I don't respond to but. If you say you know the word has your answers, why are we having this phone call? Amen. Huh? Amen. See, people are thinking you live in a weak kingdom that will be overthrown by something else. Yeah. That there's something else that's going to come along that's going to be the answer to your problem other than the word of God. Right. It's always the word. Yes. It's never going to be anything other than the word. Amen. That word is the strongest thing. That word is settled. That word keeps the sun up. That's how you can make your plans to go to work. Because of the word. And you think something else, I got the word, but. Huh? You ain't got nothing but. You better stick with that word. Your problem is you don't believe that that word is the answer. So why are we having this conversation? Huh? Call me back when you believe the word. Huh? Well, I'm in the Word, and I'm doing this and doing that. Well, you got your answer. People would, you know, well, you know, I went to the doctor again, and they said so and so and such. Well, what does the Word say? Yeah, I know that, but. Hmm? You're going to butt yourself right into a, a, one of them gowns with the butt out. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Huh? Yes. Keep messing around, doubting the word. Yep. Well, see, I don't doubt. No, no, I got faith. Well, you better start using it. You better show it to somebody. You don't have to show it to me. You better show it to God, though, and get your butt out of there with them, them butt gowns, <laughs> butt out gowns. Maybe shot you with something and got you prepped for something, huh? You don't call me when you in there and then had the surgery, you know. They like to do that. Well, see, I went ahead and I knew you were going to do it. Because you weren't believing the word when you stood here and tried to convince me. You don't, you don't convince the preacher you know the word. You convince you. You convince them tumors. You convince them symptoms. You convince that sickness that you know the word. That ain't for me. I know the word. When I need to. When I don't, I, you know, I get, it's no looking, you can't pass you, y'all pray for me, pray for me. You understand what I'm saying? I got my hook up. <laughs> huh? I know when it ain't as strong in me as I want it to be, I know what to do. I'm never without an answer up in here. You can be the same way. You're supposed to be the same way. The Bible has an answer for that. It says, if there's any sick among you, what you do? Call for the elders of the church. Well, see, I went to my pastor, but I said, it's your problem. 
You don't have confidence of anything you go in and see they'll butt you. You think that because they skipped over the pastor and came to you, they believe you. They don't believe you either. Because that scripture will work. That scripture has worked on, on people that didn't even know God. I remember when we were, were younger in the Lord, there was a testimony they would share all the time. This woman was in a, a denominational church like Presbyterian or Methodist. You know, they don't even preach salvation. and They preach gayness. They'll marry two gay people. But they don't preach salvation there anymore. So she went there because they were faithful members of the church. Her husband was sick. And she told the pastor, she said, I read in the Bible that you can come and pray for my husband and God will heal him. Well, uh, sister, you know, we really don't believe in healing and we don't. She said, it didn't say anything. I didn't ask you to believe. She said, I'll do the believing, you do the praying. She went and got the oil, made that man pray for them and God healed her husband. It said the prayer of faith. It didn't say whose faith. It said the prayer of faith will save the sick. Huh? This kingdom is wonderful, y'all. It's full of all kinds of surprises and wonders. I remember talking to God about, you know, I was all, always upset about what other denominations believe. This is before you really get work to do, and, you know, this is when you're just young and looking for stuff to do. And I was always, well, they don't believe this and they don't believe that. And so I was, somebody was saying that they had gone to some shrine and where the weeping statue is and, and they got healed. And I said, oh, God couldn't heal them. I mean, he doesn't heal. He heals by the word. He doesn't heal by weeping statues. And God said, do you think my reputation is threatened because somebody goes and stands in front of a statue and I heal him? He said, I'm bigger than that statue and I know it. He said, you're the one who don't understand how big I am. From that day on, I started to understand a little bit about how big God is. Because I shrunk down like that size. You got me? Because if God is not intimidated by a weeping statue, how dare I take somebody's faith and their healing away from them by saying God couldn't do it under those circumstances. And moreover, he's done it through me. And most days, I don't know what I believe. You understand? I mean, the truth be told, you know, people come up to you and... You know, they're limping and you're looking and they're limping and you're looking and you're trying to pull something from God that, you know, <laughs> that's a wonder in itself. You got me? How you can be on all the time like that. You know, people get up and give <laughs> their testimonies at healing school. <laughs> One lady was saying, well, I, I, was, I had some horrible disease she, said she had. And, and she said, Pastor Shirley, pray for me. I said, oh, thank God it wasn't me. <laughs> you know, you understand what I mean? It's just where your mind is. God, you thank God she was on the day, you know, because. Right. <laughs> and when they come up, I just, well, what can I do for you? If they talk too much, I said, wait a minute, hold it. Because pretty soon you feel yourself going. It'll pass. You know, you want to go to the next person. <laughs> And it's a, it's a wonder God just comes in and moves anyway. You know, there's some times where I want to, 
you know, sometimes you want to check back with people, see how they're doing. You understand what I'm saying? It's just like that sometimes. And, and so, but you have to step out and do these things in faith and believe that God's with you. Sometimes you can feel a strong anointing and very powerful, and hardly anybody comes up to the altar. You say, It's on today. If any time to get it, go on. Go on. And then you're there and it's like you barely got enough sleep. You think, did, did I read? Oh, Lord, I ate something. It's over now. Because, you know, I like to, to pray fasted. It gives you the best chance to hear from God if your stomach ain't full, you know. And so I'm thinking to myself, uh-huh, did I eat anything? Uh-huh. They had that salad in the room. Did I eat it? You know, you just messed up. But, but God, in his power... You know, when people will come so confident that God's going to do something, I want to say, can I take you outside and you pray for me before we meet you? Wonder. You, these things you don't figure out. These are faith things. The other thing you need to know about this kingdom, it is a faith kingdom. It's a kingdom that's unshakable. Nothing changes here. It's stable. You can depend on it. Unlike people, even people who live in this kingdom are shakable. But this kingdom never is removed. It's a kingdom of high principles. It's not a low-level kingdom. It's not some, you know, some uh, Central American place with the, <laughs> with the dictator with the you know, mirror glasses on, that kind of stuff, and the long cigar in his mouth. It's high principles and a solid foundation. It's a holy kingdom where good rules and reigns. Jesus went about doing good and healing. It's a place where we go about doing good and healing. It's a stark contrast between this kingdom, which is hidden within us, and the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world is all show. It's all for show. Our kingdom is released through obedience to the king. Simple things. His is the everlasting kingdom. <clears throat> this, king is, this kingdom is, is a supernatural kingdom. There's supernatural life here. Supernatural means it's above the natural. That means that the dealings of this kingdom can shake and remove the natural. And that's a plus for us. Your, your wisdom will be to stay on kingdom foundation and not on natural foundation. Anytime you're on natural as a foundation, now you, you'll use the natural and you'll be involved in the natural. But that's not your foundation. For instance, if, if you have symptoms of diabetes and they tell you, well, you know, if, if you know, this is related to, you know, your, your overweight condition. If you lose so-and-so pounds, the symptoms go away. They'll go away, but if you don't deal with the root of that disease, it'll be back on you skinny. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Not that I'm advocating overweight. <laughs> as quiet as it's kept. You understand what I'm saying? But that can't be your foundation, what you do in the natural, to get over something. Because, and let me tell you why. 
Because there's never any agreement on what you do in the natural that will help you. But there is in the kingdom. Just believe the word. You can go to five different doctors and they'll put you on five different diets because to take care of this one same problem. There's never any consensus. That means this kingdom you're relying on changes. So you can go to somebody else around the corner and they'll tell you, well, add this to your diet and that'll take care of it. They'll have you uh, juicing grass out of your yard and eating bugs and everything else to try to get yourself whole again. But in God's kingdom, there's only one thing that helps you, and that's his word. Amen. You got me? And my, my, the wisdom that I pick up from God is get in the word first, and then that word will take care of every symptom that you have. So if overweight is a symptom of that, and it'll be better for you to lose the weight, get in the word where it tells you how to exercise self-control or that you do have self-control. Or you can go to bed without the extra Twinkie or whatever it is. But, but be good to yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, I got a bunch of them. I got stuff on my headboard. I was saying to myself, I said, well, lest I faint in the middle of the night. I have a little mint here. Or, you know, if I should get a visit, angelic visitation, certainly I want to have sweet breath when he comes back. Coco jumped up there and ate every single mint that was in their paper and all. So <laughs> I have nothing for the, for the midnight angel fairy, you know, for my sweet breath. But, you know, God will take care of these things for us if we trust him to help us take care of them. One thing I can tell you, don't beat up on yourself about anything. Amen. Jesus took that pain for you. He got beat up for you. You don't beat up on yourself about anything. Because as sure as you beat up on yourself, the minute you conquer it, you want to start patting yourself on the back as though you're able to do these things. And it's just not a possibility with us as human beings. And so God has a way to handle everything that is against us, but you've got to be on his foundation. You must be on his foundation. <clears throat> Once the natural is exhausted, the supernatural is always there. And so I say that because many times we don't go to God first. Well, you know, your mind is, is full of fear and you're anxious and you want to take care of things in the natural realm. But if you will stick with God in the supernatural, he will take care of things in the natural realm. So the supernatural can remove and supplant all natural life and all natural things and circumstances. And his kingdom will establish his rule forever. So once you start leaning on the word, meditating on the word, yielding to the word, the word will establish your life. Amen. This life establishes good and removes evil. Whatever the word shakes and removes, let it go. Don't try, don't, you know, remember Lot's wife, the lesbian. I'll oh, grow up. What did she stay back there? What did she look back for? It establishes good and removes evil. 
If you start loving God's word and people start leaving your life, let them go. As long as you want to waste time with them, they'll waste time with you. Remember Lot's wife, the lesbian. I said it twice. Yes, yeah, somebody's finally getting it. Poor Lot, he was there so long his little gaydar wasn't going off no more. He just thought everybody's getting, let me get my wife and my kids. And Lamb was so perverted when, when they did leave, his daughters wind up, wound up seducing him, having children with him, and, and developed a whole race of perverted people, the Moabites. Inquiring minds want to know, don't they? <laughs> Y'all didn't think you can get all that out the word, did you? get in there more often you find something to help you. I mean we have a, all have our choice. When the door was open for people to leave Sodom, the ones that wanted to go left. The ones who liked it stayed. I don't care if they say they was just watching. What you laughing at, Red? I wasn't really doing that. Now, what were you doing? I don't know. I guess I was watching. Hey, this life is a confirmed life. Signs follow. God is willing to, when He approves of your, when He approves of your life, He confirms it with signs following. We get to do the signs. We get to do the work that performs the signs. Acts 6.10, it's an irresistible life, and I think that'll be our last scripture. Book of Acts, chapter 6. I hope you all understand my message today. I try to be understood wherever I go. Acts 10. Says Stephen was full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people, and there arose certain of the synagogue. Listen, when you use the power of God, somebody gonna rise up that don't like it. So just expect it, okay? Don't talk about it and preach about it and cause it to happen, but you know, just don't be shocked. There arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the Libertines, and those people, and they were arguing with him. But they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So even when people argue with you about the things of God, the wisdom of God is still standing. And then really what they're trying to do is get that word off of them. They're trying to fuss at it and fight with it and make it quit. But it's penetrating their darkness, and that's what people don't like. When their darkness gets broken, they feel exposed. But eventually they are not able to resist us because of the light and the life that dwells within us, folks. So we are walking miracles. We are walking signs and wonders. I don't care who, what you're thinking about it is. I don't care what you think about your place in God's kingdom. 
don't care what you, where you, whether you know your place or not. You have a place. You need to find out from God what it is, what your function is. What is God prompting you to do with your time every day? I'm not talking about one day when you have so-and-so. I'm talking about right now, today. What, God, what is God expecting you to do? What is he prompting you to do? Because he's prompting you to do something. Because if there's one thing I know about his kingdom, it's ever increasing. He's expecting us to go out and make disciples of all men, to share Christ with all people, to share who he is, to pray for them, to offer to help them, to offer God's word to them as their help and their stay. So he's not expecting to just sit around, just like he, he walked the streets of, of the Middle East when he was here on earth, he wants to walk the streets that we walk, with us and through us, and do wonders and do signs and do miracles. And he expects us to bring others to the place where we found him, and that is the foot of the cross. So our wonder-filled life started there, and it ends there again as we bring others, people, to the knowledge of God. Amen? Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Amen. For understanding. Thank you, Father, for the goodness that's in your word at all times. Thank you, Father, for blessing us to have a mind to want to appreciate your word. It didn't have to be so, but you made it so. Thank you, Lord, that we have your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding of all things. We can draw from that fountain and we can be blessed. And we thank you for the opportunity for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. If you need prayer.